Welcome beautiful people to the Don't Panic podcast. This is a podcast that takes you on a journey through the eyes of the creatives here in Scotland. Join me, Lucy, as I sit down with friends, family, creatives and industry professionals to discuss the complexities of being a creative person living right here in Scotland. From childhood to adulthood, career to personal passions and current events to mental health, We'll be diving deep into the ups and downs of being a Scottish creative with plenty of laughs and inspiration along the way. So sit back, relax, learn and relate as we explore all aspects of Scottish life, one conversation at a time. You're having the best time. <laughs> Love it. Right, okay, we're actually going to get into this now oh. an hour later after so, so start. No, it's me too. I'm like, so I'm going to talk about this, but not on the pod. <laughs> but hi, Lise, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. You're, so you're back, round two. <laughs> we, we'd um, previously recorded an episode with Elise and Kirsty, but we decided that it might have to be like a... A secret, like you're sat, a Patreon episode <laughs> or something, because we were all just all screaming over each other, like it was just too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, could barely get a word in. So anyway, so we're doing this properly. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm very good. It's sorry. I, I was gonna say, is that, um, am I speaking loud enough? I dropped my TV. Um, you can up the octave a little bit. Okay, is that is that loud enough? That's great. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Yeah, no, I'm good. It's been a very busy week, but I'm mm-hmm. good. We're here in Edinburgh. Yeah, we've stayed. Came to the big smoke. Smoke from Glasgow. <laughs> the capital. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying in, I can't remember what's. Yeah, we're staying in the Eden Lock Hotel. Really nice. There's like a, a working space upstairs. It's like a. Got like a collaboration space or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's really nice. I know, really I, nice. I work up there quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I Lots came here. Yeah, and just like nice um, plugs and stuff, so you can yeah, actually, actually work in it. Yeah, but it's like a nice environment, and it's not ex- that expensive. No, no, it's good. We're not, we were gonna have we were gonna have brunch, but we didn't make it in time. So, oh. <laughs> damn. <laughs> um, well, it's lovely to have you here. You've came through because you're doing a pop up tomorrow with one of my clients, X Creative Collaboration, which is very exciting. Yes, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's the first pop up I've done in Edinburgh. Nice. And um, so yeah, it's really looking forward to it. And yeah, it'll be good to come back because I feel like it's quite unusual to find a space like theirs mm-hmm. where there's so many different people working in the same space and it's yeah. not got like brand bias or yeah anything like that and it and it seems really good flexible wise you know like it seems like people can yeah. kind of book when they want yeah yeah and i think glasgow could do something like that but they're selling it as a co-working space but yeah, for like, the words. <laughs> I'm like no but that's yeah. right um for like beauty professionals mm-hmm. yeah. so there's room for makeup and nails yeah. and eyebrows and whatever you can kind of use the space how you like so nice. doing pop-ups is something that they are really active about wanting mm-hmm. to do because it's just it's about building a community and like really supporting each other the beauty industry can be quite like cutthroat sometimes yes I'd I was say. Gonna say like they give a very inclusive vibe just looking at their Instagram yeah which I think it's getting better in the beauty industry from mm-hmm. since I started but yeah it's still got a long way to go so it's yeah. nice to see these places being created finally yeah absolutely agree um, so, your little intro. 
Welcome to an exciting episode of Don't Panic, where I have the pleasure of sitting down with Elise, the creative genius behind Sky High Studio. Based in Glasgow, Elise describes herself as an ADHD-riddled power lifter <laughs> who, after 25-plus jobs and three stints at uni, has found the career she loves. Discover how her personal experiences and identity as a career individual influence her work and gain valuable insights into the industry and prepare for an engaging conversation as we explore Lisa's unique story and uncover her vision for the future of Sky High Studio. Get ready to be inspired and entertained as we dive into the world of creativity and nail art with Elise. That was a class intro. I'm like, me? Me? Yes, yes, that's the only part that... uh, (laughs) there's effort <laughs> I'm joking <laughs> um, so so yeah we start off the pod with a life mantra so good thing I can't remember what you said last time yeah. so do and you second there, I was like I can't remember but then I was like no I, I think this every day so uh-huh. my general mantra is fuck it we'll all be gone in 80 years so I yeah, do remember well do it yeah and also um just don't be a dick do what you want but don't be a dick yeah I mean those are good rules to live yeah. by I think for me, it puts, you know, obviously if you're having an issue, you don't want to always, um, like, necessarily, like, intellectualise it Mm -hmm. um, and and get a bit existential. But I find that sometimes when I'm going round and round in a circle with my anxiety, to be like, look, how much does this really matter in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Like, just Look at the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I find, yeah, it doesn't work sometimes, but for the majority of the time it does. It's kind of like what you were talking about earlier with them. We're talking about creating content and you were like, I do things that cringe you out on purpose. Like if you think of something that's cringy, you'll Mm -hmm. do it. Like, yeah, if something, um, I want to do something, but I find it embarrassing and I don't want to do it. I want to make myself do it. I think that's a good way to be. It's hard though. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was, I was telling Lucy um, that I have this like little mic that I sometimes clip onto myself in the gym, and I'm like, "What is the most cringy thing I could do in the gym?" And I was like, "Stand at five p.m. talking to myself while people are like waiting for a squat rack." <laughs> and what are you saying? Are you just like encouraging yourself to? I honestly can't even remember. Just talk. Yeah, I think I was just like, "Right, guys, so this could be my workout today." And then oh, actually, oh okay, I do okay. So you're like, you're was... doing a little come with me to yeah. the gym. <laughs> I was talking about how often, like, I'm the only woman that I see in the weight section. Uh huh. Um, and I'm basically talking about how to not be intimidated by especially guys in the gym it's good advice because mostly people just they actually just care about themselves and don't give a fuck and i think mm. that if you even if you don't believe it but if you kind of pretend that you you feel confident in yourself when you're walking past and everything i find that i've had guys move out my way in the gym it's fucking great <laughs> yeah i don't think i could hold that power <laughs> i like um it's more for me i i do like doing weights but mm. it's more um I'm uh, I'm scared that I just I'm doing it wrong. Well, so that I look yeah. like an idiot. That's more of the thing that I'm conscious of. That's a very common one, but I actually find that most of the people that you look at that you think God they know what they're doing, mm. they're actually doing it wrong. Okay, which is very interesting. I think it's just I'm um, I'm quite interested in how you know the difference between a female and a male perspective in life. And I think there was a study that guys tend to apply for jobs that they're underqualified for and they'll just do it be like fuck it but women will often not apply for jobs that they're overqualified for uh-huh. so sometimes I just like try to think like a guy and I'm just like fuck it I'll apply for it all I can do is say no yeah I mean it's a good way of thinking <laughs> it's hard to get I feel like it's it a is... long time I feel like it's very matter of fact and like 
how to become like that. But yeah. The amount of times I've had to make myself feel like embarrassed to get to that, and I'm still yeah. living there. Like we were talking about Tube Girl earlier, and I was yeah. like, I'm gonna do it on the. You need to do Sunday. it. You need and to I'm do like, it. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I'm waiting for that TikTok. And, and, it, and it's it severely icks me out the thought mm-hmm. of that, but. Fuck it, we'll be gone in eight years. Well, I, well, I, <laughs> good point. Well, actually, since the the first one we recorded, mm-hmm. we spoke about this a little bit because we we're talking about using like faces on stories and stuff. Yes. I think since then I've actually stopped doing that. The filters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you have used the filter because I noticed that. Which is funny because we were, you know, development yeah. hashtag. And that's been a few months. <laughs> I know exactly. So yeah, I think if you do push yourself to to do these things, you do, you you. I don't know. I think you create more exciting content as well because you're actually yes. like doing something that you're you would never do. Like, like it feels a little bit more kind of real. Yeah. Than, than being more like poised. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I think it gives other people the confidence to do stuff. Like, there's a girl I follow who's like, she does like things that people would normally think is really embarrassing in the gym, and she's like, look, no one cares. Yeah. And it's just like, and then I like people that. have gone and done that, you know? Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, talking of Tube Girl, the amount of like TikToks I've now seen that are people like yes. reenacting it or like, yes. or seeing people reenacting mm-hmm. it and filming them. Like it yeah. like becomes very like meta. And, like, <laughs> I know what you mean. And, like, I actually say to my girlfriend a lot, I'm like, oh, I'm being so cringe. This is really cringe. But I'm like, what is, what is cringy? It's only because I'm making it. Yeah, exactly. I find when I have more anxious periods, I find it harder. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I don't know, mine, I, I'm like, oh, people are like sending it to each other and slagging yes. me. Like, that's what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you need to just. And also, <laughs> everyone starts with nothing. Yeah. Like, everyone that started on Instagram. It's cringe until you're big. Exactly. And, and then, then they people, want to be Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, we're completely going off topic. We're <laughs> you're just talking about nails. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we're going to take it, like, right back to your childhood. So, when you were younger, did you did you feel creative? Were you artistic? Um, how were you as a child? So, I felt like I was always really creative but I never quite found an outlet that I really enjoyed yeah well I I did enjoy but it always felt like there was something missing so I used to be a musician and I found that I you know had a lot of my creativity came through that I did really enjoy art at school but plot twist I'm actually so shit (laughs) which which doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense <laughs> with your like nail art as well. <laughs> and I think as I got older and I think uh, it it kind of was in line with when I was more open with my sexuality, the way that I dress, I think sometimes I'll just dress in all black, but I find that that's quite a nice way I find like being creative now mm-hmm. whereas before I didn't have that. And yeah. So I was a really creative kid, but I just didn't quite know where to it, yeah yeah that makes loads of sense and um, what um instruments did you play or what so music did you I do I did classical guitar cello and piano wow yeah it feels like another line <laughs> yeah like, I bet oh I tried to learn the piano and just didn't just didn't turn up yeah. to my classes I was yeah. like hated it I had a piano teacher called Dr. Payne Doctor, <laughs> you shouldn't like be allowed to be a teacher. I don't think. <laughs> Doctor Payne, yeah. wow. Yes. Was a he in there? Was a wifey, yeah. 
Wait, what? It was a woman. Oh my god, yeah. was it? Yeah. I just assumed men. I don't I know, know why. I do this a lot, and then I fucking I fucking hate when I presume that like a surgeon's a guy. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I know, I know that was. I I think just the name though. I oh, just yeah, like. Think- yeah, it I just seems quite, yeah, masculine. I don't, I don't yeah. know. That's stupid. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you played these instruments. So, like, what kind of you? What kind of level were you at? You're so, like pretty good. I went to a specialist music school from thirteen mm-hmm. to sixteen. So it was like now in Aberdeen, everywhere is an academy. Where, right. Like, when I when I moved to Glasgow and it said I went to an academy, I was like, Ooh, yeah, I can <laughs> So now I've just automatically correct myself to high school. So it was like okay. a regular high school with like the specialist music department attached onto it. So we did like less hires, we had more time for music and mm-hmm. we'd like have to stay at the weekend and like it was like a boarding oh. house. It was like a boarding house there. Oh wow. So, like, lived in You boarded this, there. Uh, oh wow. Um What was that like? It was very interesting um basically it wasn't like a regular boarding school mm-hmm. so like it was mixed through like all the kids from all ages and genders were like all together okay um it was very weird like you had school dinners for dinner every night mm-hmm. which was dog shit yeah that sounds gross <laughs> we had like house parents so like if you ran late you would get put to bed earlier and like because i had my undiagnosed adhd i mm. always ran late so it was something that I found very odd that like you can have eleven year olds and eighteen year olds living together. Oh wow! Okay, and yeah. I found that that has impacted on like how quickly I grew up. Okay, that um, makes sense. And to be honest, like I don't want kids, but if I had a kid, having had that experience, I don't think I would put them something like that. But also, my parents were extremely supportive, and this was something I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just now that I've seen how it's affected my relationships and development mm. that it's something that I'm like, mm, don't know if it's so if it's so good. But it it, it worked incredibly well music wise because I went to the um, the conservatoire in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And I went there for about three months. I it was a my area was very like heavily male dominated. There was me and another girl from students up to PhD students up to teachers, um, and that was a very odd environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically took a year out because you know this had been like my my mission since I was like thirteen to get into it. Right. I think I'd almost like romanticized it. In right. Mind. Yeah. And then when I got there, I was like, oh god, there's a lot wrong here yeah <laughs> so it kind of it makes sense i i kind of did that with edinburgh art college because oh, i really yeah. i i like all the way through high school i was like i'm gonna go to edinburgh yes. art college it was like the goal the dream like that's mm-hmm. what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be an artist i'm gonna go mm-hmm. there and then i got in and i didn't take it <laughs> in the end because yeah. because i went and i did the the walkthrough and everything mm-hmm. and i was like oh this isn't really as because because I, I was yes. studying textiles they're not very known for textiles okay. so the department wasn't as strong as obviously like mm-hmm. the, what they are known for yeah um and harriet watt mm-hmm. was a lot more um known for that so the facilities were better so in the end i was like actually i'm not gonna go here and then but i've always wondered i'm like what if i did what though if you did, it, it can be a little bit heartbreaking when you build something up so yeah much in your head and then you go and you're like this isn't quite isn't what i thought I and it was more expensive like yeah. You, you had less and you were paying more. See, that was like, I was going to go and audition for three places in London. But mm-hmm. I was like, that's going to be made £36,000. I was like, fuck no. Shit. And it turned out... Do you have to pay for the... No, not here. Not for, here. Not for when I went to the Conservatoire. 
Um, but it turned out that the guitar department there was actually the best in the country. So I was like, well, if it's, Stunning. If it's the best and it's free, why the fuck not? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, so it's super interesting. Music is something... I've, I've got no talent in music whatsoever so it's an industry that like I kind of like don't really know a lot about yeah. but what what made you decide to to not take that further then so for a few reasons basically it is such a high pressure environment yeah people, you know people are going off sick a lot from this uh, I would be told things like you're only as good as your last performance I don't and actually this wasn't when I was at the conservatory but I had, you know, adults telling me, like, I don't care if your parents have just died. They're not dead, by the way. But they're like, I don't care if your parents have just died. You're yeah. going on that stage. Wow. So when you grow up with that mindset of perfectionism, it's, mm-hmm. it becomes very toxic. And I was practicing, you know, you were expected to do six to eight hours, practice a day. Wow. With a day off. And then you'd have your uni work on top of it. And it was just That's a lot. mentally draining. Yeah. And I just didn't want my worth to be in this hunk of wood, basically, mm-hmm. in this guitar. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And also at this time, I thought, you know, I want a family. Like, I don't want kids now. But my goal after it, I was, I basically was wanting to constantly tour and perform. Right. And that was going to be my thing. Uh-huh. So I realised it would be a very lonely life. This is the thing. It's, I think... When you are a classical musician, and I didn't get to an extremely high level, but when people do hit that, the highs are very high and the mm-hmm. lows are very low. And especially being a woman in classical music, it is very old and stuffy. Mm-hmm. And I honestly just didn't want to have a lot of old men moaning at me all the time. Fair. <laughs> that's you know very like fair making judgment and also the, the another big thing for me um now looking back retrospectively because i did not realize at the time is i could not be who i wanted to be because of that industry right i couldn't have tattoos i was told don't get them on your arms you know don't do this feel um, you there exactly yeah. mm-hmm. and quite frankly I don't know why people give a shit like I was talking on my Instagram story the other day about professionalism Mm -hmm. and for me if you're doing your job well and you're doing it sufficiently why the fuck does it matter what I wear I couldn't agree more like yeah I have such an issue with workwear and don't understand tattoos and the way people present themselves like why does it matter exactly and I don't know if you saw my story it was basically I went to an event at the Scottish Parliament to talk about. I seen that, yeah, yeah, yeah. like PCOS, mm-hmm. and I thought, Do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking wear my my <laughs> tracksuit. Love that, <laughs> love it, iconic. Because for me, um, having been in like a few different industries that that are very, you know, uh, professional mm-hmm. and got to look a certain way, I feel like even though it's a tiny change, um. They don't. They probably don't normally see a lesbian wearing a juicy couture tracksuit in Scottish Parliament. Yeah. So I feel like if people get used to seeing people that look different and they're still taking seriously what I'm saying, then yeah, tiny, tiny change, but it might sow a seed, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next person they see, they might take more seriously. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge thing for me, what is professional? Yeah. Like, it's bizarre. Do you feel like... This is kind of going off topic a bit, but do you, do you mm-hmm. feel like tattoos and piercings and mm-hmm. t- how you do hair, all that stuff, do you think it's getting better? Like, because I, it's, mm-hmm. it, 
it, I mean, it did used to be drastically different when I was like a teenager. Yeah. But um, and I remember being in jobs because mm-hmm. I was I always wanted um hand tattoos, and I remember like my manager at the time being like, "Do not do that. Like, yeah. you cannot do that." And I'm like, "But I don't want to work anywhere." If they if they don't accept that I've for got who you are, for yeah. then why would I want to work there in the first place? Like I want to work in a creative environment as well. Exactly. So like why would that not encompass? Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's literally me. a drop <laughs> of fucking ink in your skin. Yeah. Why does that mean that you can't do? Do you your feel job any differently? Do you feel like it take it? You get taken less seriously because of it. So it's really hard for me because I feel like I'm almost in this vacuum of very inclusive creative people. Yeah. And we all look which is good. different. Mm-hmm. which is really lovely but sometimes when I step out into like something that's the not, parliament I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah so, yeah I know that I only got my face tattoos once I was self-employed yeah fair um <laughs> because I know that if I as I looked right now which honestly like I don't feel is that fucking mad I literally have some facial piercings tattoos and short hair that's sometimes colored um if I had to go and find a job in a restaurant I would probably be a bit nervous still yeah, I was hospitality for yeah. years as well. And um, I I remember I was about, I don't know, it would have been like 20 mm-hmm. or something. And I had like a few tattoos. And this customer that was um, a regular, mm-hmm. I fucking hated him. I absolutely hated him. And uh, he came in with his son and I came over to, to serve them. And he was like, show him your tattoos. And I was like, what? As if he just owned your body. Yeah. Oh, just get it out. And he was like, show us your tattoos. Show show my son your, your tattoo on your wrist. And I was like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I just like showed them. And he went, what do your parents think about that? And I was like, well, I'm an adult, so nothing. God, like, I fucking hate some middle-aged men. Honestly, I was like, fucking... I, I, from that point, I refused to serve him ever again. I was like, I'm not serving him I if he comes should. in. Like what the fuck <laughs> like don't comment on me and yeah. what my parents would think like it, yeah it's mad I, I wish that in service jobs that you could just give back what they give to you oh my god if someone same to me, I would be lovely to them but if they're rude mm-hmm. I'm not gonna make an effort to be really nice to you I, I wish that was because the place I worked it was like it was pretty hardcore um and they, you know, smiles, customer's always right. Like, you've yeah. got to do whatever they tell you to. Because most of them also knew the owner. So okay. it would always get back to the owner. Okay, yeah. So you really couldn't cross the line. So, like, mm-hmm. this guy's talk, I have to just smile and accept it. It was, like, utter garbage. I fucking... I think, I think that's still, like, really prevalent in the nail industry. Is it? When, like, I absolutely don't agree with it. The customer's always right. I like I believe I don't agree in, either. No, I think that I think dealing with a complaint fairly yeah. and looking at the facts of what happened is correct. However, I've not really had any personal complaints to me, but yeah. there was something in the salon and I just told her no. I was like, quite frankly, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, you, you seem quite young. I'll maybe I'm gonna come down and talk to you. And I'm like, you're not my fucking mum. <laughs> you give me give me to trouble. Yeah, what the? I, fuck? I was like, I'm too busy for that. You won't be coming down. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, did you ever work in like hospitality or retail or anything like that? Was yes. or yeah the. I've had about 25 jobs. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, the, and a lot of it was in restaurants. Okay. Um, but I don't know where I've had this burning thing inside of me, but 
um, from since a young age, if someone's doing something wrong, I don't really care who it is. Mm -hmm. I will tell them. Now, I will say, now that I am diagnosed with ADHD, I do realise that there's a lot of black and white thinking Mm -hmm. in things, but I also just have this really, like... Just morally, I can't really let things go. Mm-hmm. So I've had to sit in jobs where, like, I left because what they described was not the work environment. Mm. And then they were going to not pay me for the week's work I'd done, which was about 500 quid, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, no worries. I, I'm just going to sit in the restaurant until you pay me. <laughs> and I just kind of got a little bit louder. Uh, not, not shouting, but I was like, oh, it's really nice you pay your staff, isn't it? And they ended up bringing the cash out and I had to sign something to say that I wouldn't come back. <laughs> That's um, amazing. I was like 19 at this point. Oh, so good for you. I, I just, I've never had that ability to stick up for myself. I don't know where the fuck it came from. Yeah. I think I've just always been a bit, Delulu with things in the sense of like <laughs> I I lived in a flat like I had rent to pay yeah I was being treated like shit and I was like I'm off I'll find a job and I would just find one yeah and I, and I know that I am in a place of privilege being a, a white woman for start um you know and I think finding jobs for me I would just like apply to so many so many and I kind of knew how to I know how to act in a hospitality job to get it mm. do you know what I mean? yeah I feel you um but I think once you've kind of worked in one. You can kind of how to get through it. Yeah, you obviously there's still stuff you have to learn, yeah. but you pretty much know what you're what you're doing. Exactly. Um, I was just, did you ever go to smoke in Glasgow? It was like a no, barbecue no. place. Um, on I always forget the square with like the the guy with the Nelson. oh with um, the cone on his head. George Square. Yeah, yes. it was on George Square because I used to work there. How was that? It was shocking. You shite smoke. Oh, they're oh they're gone, gone now. They're gone. Yeah, they fucked up. They like um <laughs> they me and my friend worked there and um they they it ended up they were taking our um tax and pocketing it. See, see, see when they like see when they steal tips, I'm like you're scum. Oh, they would yeah they would take tips. I was like they would they would leave you alone, so I would have to do like I'd have to open by myself. There was like chefs in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but it was downstairs. the The kitchen okay. was downstairs, so you were the only one at the top. And I'd just be by myself. And it was probably, give or take, maybe like 20 tables or something. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. And it would get busy. And that was when I had like, my mental health was like plummeting. And I was an anxious wreck. And if I was by myself, it was awful. And... Uh, people I w- scream at you like they've got the right to uh-huh. and it's like uh-huh. hey, I'm sorry there's not enough fucking sauce yeah. just for you get over well, it well there's just, there's not enough like I've only got two hands yeah. like I literally only have two hands Um, it was awful and then found out they were taking our tax and that's the Jesus. only that's the only time I've ever instantly quit a job like walked out and been like oh, yeah. sorry I'm not coming back I'm not doing this that's the only I time I've been like bye like, I always felt quite like bougie being like there you go <laughs> Also, I realise it's in random that I messaged, mentioned sausages. It's because I had a situation uh-huh. where I did this fucking breakfast buffet. Oh, God. And this guy was screaming at me because there wasn't any sausages. And I just thought, <laughs> what the fuck is going on in your life that you yeah. think it's hard to scream at me about a sausage? Oh, my God. I, I mean, I could literally talk about hospitality for days. <laughs> the first job I had was in a greasy spoon. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was 16 and I got mm-hmm. made um, supervisor. <laughs> and so like, we'll pay you £4 an hour I think I was getting like £4.50 an hour yeah. and so I hired like two of my fr- I got mm-hmm. two of my friends jobs Nice. and um, we just fucked about like I mean it was really it was really easy but mm-hmm. I had to be there 
at 5.30 in the morning to butter 200 rolls. And I was 16 years old. I think it's actually illegal for that. Yeah, probably. (laughs) And uh, and I'd have to get there and leave, like, by myself, go butter 150 rolls for the morning. And then open up and then, and for the first hour, you were just by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was serving all these, like, workies and, Mm -hmm. like, just, like, people. But the amount of men that would tell me to cheer up and put and smile and and I'm like I'm 16 years old I'm hungover I'm probably still drunk (laughs) I've not been to bed (laughs) and I'm here fucking getting paid four pound an hour I actually have a tattoo that says won't smile for you because that is one of my pet peeves (laughs) yes um when I've only I was going to say specifically guys but it's only been guys that have done it yeah tell me that and I just the love worst. giving them the dirtiest fucking look. Or saying back, why don't you smile? Like, I just... Oh, oh it's it's it, it literally, like, gives me yeah. chills. Like, anyway. <laughs> back to... Back to... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know where I am now. Um, yeah, so you mentioned that your parents, they helped you get into that environment. Um, yes. Like, So were they always very supportive? I know you work with your mum now. Yes. So that's really nice. My mum works in the salon, yeah. which I absolutely love. Sometimes she likes to say very personal things in front of, like, <laughs> the salon. Um, so... Uh, that must just come with the territory, yeah, though, working so with funny. your mum. <laughs> but um, on the whole, they were, like, a really good mixture of supportive but not forcing me to do something. You know, sticking at it long enough to find out if I liked it or not. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that made me quite resilient because I do think if they'd let me just quit everything straight away, mm-hmm. then I think that might have fed into my ADHD even more. Because I'm already bad. I can relate to at, that. Yeah, <laughs> quitting things. Yeah. So I do think that they were the perfect combination. Mm. Yeah, my mum used to always say to me that uh, I'd get into something and then I'd mm-hmm. quit just after she bought me all the stuff for yeah. it. So it'd be like judo, karate, yeah. singing, drama, mm-hmm. whatever it was. As mm-hmm. soon as she bought me stuff, I was like, I'm over yeah, it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I feel that. Like, it's like me with fucking craft stuff on Amazon now. Same. Jesus. Same. I'm calling them little micro-obsessions. I, I made some, like, uh, bakery out of clay the other week. That was Yay. fun. It was really cute. It's just like, I'm going to make I'm do this. clay bread. My, my f- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, actually. It seemed like the, the toast lamps. They're like ceramic. Really no, they're really cute. You could just make one. I could, I'll just make Honestly, one. clay's pretty fun. Well, I've started. Um, <laughs> you know the thing where you get a mirror and it's air dry clay and you just roll it into balls and make flowers. Yes, and yeah, I've got so some I, of that. I yep. that in the new salon. I've got like, oh, a yeah, ring around it. It's very fun. It's really it's cute. cute. Did it take a long time? Well, I actually, my girlfriend and my friend made most of the flowers. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Literally, I've held to pay. Um, right, that was a big break. Right, um, everything just crashed. So we were, Googling we were having a great time. Were. No idea what we were talking about. Having a melty. <laughs> but we're going to get back to it. Um, I think we were just talking a lot about jobs and stuff, which was not really, we were kind of going on tangents anyway, weren't we? Yeah. Um, okay. So let, let's get on to, yeah, discovering nails and being into nails. How did that happen? So I used to get my nails done a lot and I never really found a place that I was 
super happy with the result or I felt a bit uncomfortable, felt a bit rushed mm-hmm. and like I was kind of being judged. So I thought, fuck it, I'll, I'll just learn. Yeah. So I could do my own. So I did that and then I realised that I really, I really loved it. I started doing friends' nails and then from there eventually I was like, fuck it, let's do this. I did it as my part-time job while I was at uni and I went full-time two and a half years ago. So did you get your nails done quite regularly? Did you like getting your nails yeah, done? Yeah, quite a lot. I would get them done every like two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like even when I look back at the sets now, I'm like, that that was not it. Yeah. <laughs> and was it just something about the environment or like the people? Like, what was it that you felt was missing from the industry? Firstly, I felt like the standard wasn't what I would expect for what I was paying. Mm-hmm. And from now being an educator myself, I know that there are a lot of issues with education specifically in the UK regarding like the beauty industry and it's very unregulated Mm -hmm. which results in a lot of really poor quality courses out there Mm -hmm. and then secondly I just never really felt kind of made welcome but I feel like that wasn't just me as a client you know it was just a very you know a rushed quick service they Mm -hmm. didn't really give a shit Mm -hmm. when I feel like that's, you know, that's a big thing for me. I know that for my clients, some of them, this is like their treat for the month. Yeah. I want to help them, like, feel good and not feel rushed. Like, they're paying me for the time. Like, I want them to enjoy it. Yeah. That, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's, that's that. Yeah, no, uh, no, that that makes lots of sense. Uh, I relate to that. I always felt that, I don't know, hair salons and nail, they never, it never really felt quite like... I fit in or it was the right yeah. place so it's it's yeah. creating that space for yourself and you know other people exactly. are going to want that as well like if you're thinking that exactly and I, and this was also when I didn't I wasn't out as right. lesbian I looked different so like I couldn't imagine if I had looked like alternative or uh-huh. you know, different from other people whereas we have so many people in the salon that it's their first time getting their nails done I've had a lot of people come in and say they'd be really nervous for like the tech to go so have you got a boyfriend and then if they say right no I've got a girlfriend like what the reaction would be or if they asked for two short nails or you know, <laughs> any of these things like we've got um we've got some trans guys that come in that like to get really long stiletto nails and mm-hmm. like they just didn't really feel that comfortable going to other places they did actually go to a tech before that was amazing but you know that's quite unusual to have found another place yeah as well long you know, yeah ago, you've because, created like a really safe space which I which I can really, I really hope a lot of people feel like that because mm-hmm. you know my main goal with the salon was, um, I just want people to feel comfortable and to come and have a nice time and like you know mm-hmm. talk about whatever they want to like. But sometimes when you've got your regular clients, you've known them for years, they might be having a shit time and they want to talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like I personally like I don't mind that. I feel like I'm there for the good stuff and the bad stuff and I kind of just leave it at work I don't really like retain that with me it's well it's gonna say it's quite a common thing um my sister Kitty talked about it and I know it's common in the beauty industry Mm -hmm. for like trauma dumping in these sorts of like services when you're with somebody for quite like a long period of time Mm -hmm. is that something that you find well you just said you don't mind it is or do you find it quite difficult sometimes because it must be quite a lot mentally yeah I think take on board if you're having a really bad time with your own mental health Mm -hmm. and if someone comes in and they're crying it it can be tough but also 
I try to put myself in other people's shoes where possible. And I know in myself, I'm pretty good at um, com compartmentalizing things in my head I'll be like this is kind of workload yeah you know and I yeah. think when you are self-employed to have a successful business unfortunately in capitalism you have to kind of push yourself when you really don't want to at time yeah. until you have reached a certain point so for me it's more like I want to comfort that client you know so I'm quite lucky in that because I don't take new clients like if I did really struggle with something like I don't really need to do that client's nails anymore in the sense of I've never had to do this but mm -hmm. um, you know it's not like that I've got loads of space and I need clients to come in so I can be quite choosy with it I would yeah. say that you kind of have to have pretty good mental health to do mm -hmm. this job that, that that would be my advice because it is a customer facing job mm -hmm. and if you are holding someone's hands for three hours, like every three, four weeks, they mm -hmm. are going to open up to you. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I've met some of my best friends through Nails, um, but they started as clients. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I really love about it. I'm also very good at changing topics if I don't want to talk about something. Mm -hmm. And that would be my advice, you know, rather than to just stop and say, you, you can't say that. Yeah. Because if some, like, that would be really uncomfortable, you know, mm -hmm. especially if the person didn't realise what they were saying was something harmful. If that yeah. person's open to, like, being educated or whatever, fair enough. Um, but for me, I'd like, my advice to, to students is, like, you know, change the topic. Now, I will also say, I know that not everyone's mental health isn't the same. So, you know, when I kind of advise students on what I think is good, I do say, you know, I am not the, the be-all and end-all like, yeah, of male course, education yeah. here. Like, this is just what I find works for me. Mm -hmm. And I do say when you're self-employed, you can kind of do what you want. So if you find it's too much, you know, you could tell that client to not come back. But it, it is part of the... It's a bit of a grey area. Yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah it comes with the territory. Exactly. But yeah. You've got to protect your own mental health. But yeah. Do you want to have a business at the end of the day? Yeah. So that's where I would also say it's better just to work on, you know, leaving stuff at work, having methods... After work, you might be going to a yoga class, you might go to the gym, you might, you know, do meditation, go for a walk, something to clear your head. Yeah, yeah. So... No, that's great advice. Bit of the grey area, but that's what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I know how common it is, so yes. it, it must be quite overwhelming at times. Yeah. Um, but no, it's good advice. So when did you get the shop? How did that start? So I got the shop... So you were you were doing work at home in your yes. in your like flat to yeah. begin with, right? You're so doing nails there. I started. I lived in my kitchen living room. I put my bed in there so yeah. that I could have a nail room. Uh -huh. used to Amazing. Like, oh, this flat must be really big. I'm like, yeah, it's so big. My two rooms. Like, like, <laughs> they couldn't see where the rest of the flat was. Uh -huh. um, and then I had some jobs in salons. I think I've worked in about five salons in Glasgow. And then I decided to go self-employed because no, none of the salons that I went to had the environment that mm -hmm. that I felt that I needed to work, not just me to work in, but that would be good for clients. There, mm -hmm. was, there was just so many problems that I just quite frankly did not want to be involved in. So I then rented a space and I just did not get on with the landlord and I had a lot of issues there and I had to leave like I took my stuff out like in the middle of the night because it just didn't feel safe mm. and after that I was like fuck it I just I just woke up one day and I was like fuck it I actually just need to have a shop yeah so <laughs> yeah. um so the answer started um 
yet looking for places I wasn't quite sure where I wanted you know I'd never done this before and I worked in my mum's in my mum and dad's flat Mm -hmm. in their spare room while this was all like getting sorted Mm -hmm. and yeah got it last March and then god it wasn't that long ago then no it was like a year and a half ago oh wow okay I thought you'd I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Time. <laughs> Time's mad. Um, oh, that's crazy. And the shop is in, is it Govan? Govan Hill? Govan Hill. Govan Hill. Yes. And uh, how's it been there? Have you, I mean, it's a stunning shop. It, it's you. so cute. I love it. It's, mm. So with the Govan Hill shop, I couldn't have picked a better place. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think it's the most diverse place in Scotland. Oh, really? Um, so... Yeah, there's so many different communities there. There's, mm. a, there's, a, there's a really that's really large, interesting, like Pakistani and Indian community, mm-hmm. um, a big Romanian community, and a big queer community. So it's really nice. I feel like everyone kind of just gets on with their life in peace in tandem. Yeah, it's just pretty chill because that's I've never, great. I've never like been in a place that's so openly queer in right. Scotland. Uh huh. And no one really gives you a second look. That's nice. You know, whereas mm. like now that I'm now that we've got this the, the salon in the city centre, yeah. I notice people staring at me a lot, but not in a nice way. Oh, okay. So you, you feel know, there's a difference? Because I, I said this to my mum, I was like, why are people staring at me? And she's like, it's just not, you're just used to Govan Hill. Right. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. So where exactly, so you've got your se- second shop, you've just opened it. Yes. A couple of weeks like ago? A month, month ago. ago. Where exactly is it in Glasgow? So it's in Central Chambers. So if you come out of... Glasgow Central. If you come out okay. like the door at the left, where there's a cafe near, which right yeah, next to so there. it's really central, super central. Yeah, so yeah, so totally different central. vibe then. Totally different vibe. Yeah, I picked there because a lot of people working in it, they would have to get like two trains to right. the south side. And um, so I thought this was a more accessible place for like the north of the city. We do have a lot of clients from the West End, but mm-hmm. it's just a bit more accessible for for certain people. I did also want to have a salon that was like fully wheelchair accessible. Now, the salon is wheelchair accessible, however, there's not a wheelchair accessible toilet, which really bothers me, and I would love that to be different, but I, I can't change the bathroom, It's it, it, and it's unfortunately how it is, which is really disappointing. Is it like out of your control kind of thing? Oh yeah, like yeah, I can, yeah. I can't, there's no room to extend it, right, right, so right, it got you. can't happen. Yeah. So, central chambers there is an accessible toilet great and there is a wheelchair lift i i need to measure the lift because it just doesn't look like it would fit which is really disappointing <laughs> because that's part of the reason you know why you did it why i did it yeah however i think it, it must be if it's there you know it's you would it just think... looks tiny you know i've had a lot of wheelchair users message me on instagram mm-hmm. and it's you know i said like i've apologized that there's not an accessible toilet and a lot of people have been like oh, I'm just so happy like I can actually get in and like fit under like fit my chair under yeah the desk, the desk. Stuff. yeah 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 which is really sad that like that that's yeah that do you know what I mean the the so, bar is low the bar is fucking low that's the only thing you know of aesthetics and salons mm-hmm. like a lot of places the setup completely fucks up your body like your back yeah it must be so hard on your body yes that was something that i had in mind when creating the cell we i actually now for for the new place i have found desks that i didn't have to you know build myself actually make Um, (laughs) and 
I found them online, which was great because you don't want a really, really wide desk because that's what causes like your back pain. Okay. So yeah. me and my mum made the desks. We got like legs, MDF tile. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> because you just, it's so hard to find. And then I got stools that honestly are not aesthetic at all, but they are what are what's good to use. And yeah, they might have places I worked in that wouldn't have health and safety procedures in place because it didn't look good was really shocking. Yeah. And it's like, your health is like the most important surely like like, i just can imagine having someone working in the salon and like knowing that they are physically struggling and i'm like oh well go fuck yourself yeah it's wild i I know i mean that kind of like getting on with it mentality i fucking hate it so you've said that you have adhd I did just want to yes. touch upon this a bit. Mm-hmm. Was this something that you got diagnosed while you've had the shop or is it quite a recent thing or is it is something that you yeah a while so ago? Really recent. I actually got diagnosed after I opened the shop. Right, okay. And now that I've opened another one medicated, I don't know how the fuck I managed because mm-hmm. the the first shop had like masses of renovations. Like me and my mum were in there like every evening and day off for six weeks we had to rip the whole place up wow get the electrics redone like the whole lot now with the other place and um, i had to decorate it clean it and like you know start the flooring out and everything like that mm-hmm. um so it was um, it was still a hard process but it was so much easier mm-hmm. um so doing that unmedicated i don't know how the fuck i managed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, looking back, yeah, yeah is, does it just feel like, yeah, how did I do that? And uh, Yeah, like, it, I do sometimes think it sounds really cliche, but I describe it to people as when I started taking the medication, I felt like my life had properly begun again. Right. Because I had more control over... Um, just organising my day, I wasn't fatigued all the time, mm-hmm. um, I could regulate my emotions better, I wasn't um, constantly craving, um, like, I, I, I still smoke, but like, I would smoke a lot sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things that it helped with that I just had no idea, but the, the tiredness is a huge, huge one. Mm-hmm. Like I basically have to take it every day or I really struggle to get out of bed. And also the effect on my anxiety, I just had this constant pit that I've, I didn't know any difference, like this pit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I took the medication and then it, like, it went away and I was just like, what the fuck? That must have been an insane feeling. Yeah, it's like you go through so many different emotions with it i was relieved and i was happy but then i was angry that i'd slipped through the net the net mm-hmm. and then i almost kind of grieved the life that i could have had i mean i'm i'm still very i'm very privileged and i still had an amazing life but the amount of trauma that i have been through that i know directly relates mm-hmm. to the undiagnosed adhd it it just made me feel sick for a long time yeah yeah um, i can understand that a you lot. know um yeah but you know i kind of came to terms with that and the way I view it is like, well, I, do you know what? I could have been 50 when I was diagnosed. Absolutely, then, yeah. Even if someone's 50 getting diagnosed, it's like any period left in your life, it's still worth doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge thing to go through. And did you think you had it or did you, 
and and then you got tested or was it something that came kind of like out a surprise yeah. to you? So I used to be an outpatient at the like the mental health hospital in Aberdeen and I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. but I was always convinced there was something else. Right, okay. And I went round and round I was like am, am I bipolar? Mm-hmm. You know, what 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 the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Um and they were like no you're fine. You're fine. Mm. And this Love is really, that. This, it's really <laughs> common for people with ADHD for yeah. it to just be diagnosed as depression and anxiety. Especially with women, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you completely slip through the net. The actual, um, the diagnostic um, criteria with ADHD is based on young boys. Yeah, right? that does not. You know, so, I mean, like, fucking exactly, everything exactly. in medicine. <laughs> and when you look at, at how, how little girls are partially almost like conditioned mm-hmm. to be you know i didn't have the mask really like shouting out in class or anything like that mm-hmm. um because i just i just felt like i couldn't yeah you know and yeah. then i would go home and i would have this like internal rage and i i couldn't understand why mm-hmm. and just the lack of information out there about it um what was the other bit you asked there i totally forgot i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. it's gone so things have massively improved for you like mentally oh, yeah. and, and does that come through in your work do you feel like you're better so yeah definitely a lot of my clients have noticed how i work i work much tidier now mm-hmm. now when i am due like my period and i'm you know i'm feeling very hormonal um, my meds actually don't work as well because a drop in estrogen okay. causes um, your ADHD to kind of worsen and the meds just don't That's work as well. So it's like you can see my desk getting messier the more mm. like of a hormonal time I'm having. So yes, I've not dulled down my personality. It's just I'm just less chaotic. Right. Yeah. Everything's just a bit more together. I feel like I used to like walk into a room and it would be like I'd just be fucking buzzing and banging. You know? And that's fucking exhausting. I'd be either like that or couldn't speak to anyone because I was so fucking tired and depressed. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now I just so feel down, like yeah. a much more level consistent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I definitely noticed it in my work of um just being able to get like admin done sooner I think mm-hmm. I've had a lot more opportunities because I've been able to work to deadlines a bit better mm-hmm. and then because it has helped my personal life so much in the sense of like I can I had to go to a fucking laundrette for like a year because I just otherwise I wouldn't have clean clothes because I just couldn't do it I'd wait till I'd worn everything and it was a pile and then I'd freak out got you and yeah now I am never not on top of my washing and that is like mind-blowing to me because I've never <laughs> had that before no that's amazing so you know having less stress in your personal life mm-hmm. means things are a bit easier when it comes to my business mm-hmm. so yeah all round so much better oh that's that's amazing to hear it's such an important thing i know it's not important for everybody to get diagnosed yes but like obviously to hear that you have and it's been so helpful is like is really great like, it's just, good to hear just to understand what the fuck is going on yeah because you do i mean i don't need to go into it but you do hear a lot of like negative stories about people going on adhd medication and stuff like that so oh yeah i love talking about how good it was for me and i know that obviously there are going to be people that it doesn't work for sure for me i'm like if i don't try it i'm not going to know yeah of course I mean, it's personally. just great to hear that you've had a positive yeah. experience with it. Yeah. Exactly. You've had the opportunity to work with a lot of interesting brands. Um, can you share some of the highlights of those experiences? Yeah, so this is what I like to tell students is that, you know, doing nails doesn't have to just be sitting in a salon doing nails. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, if you want to do that, fire on. Um, but for me, I really like having different aspects Um 
within the job. So I did a series of events with New Balance and that was super interesting the way mm-hmm. that they like kind of intertwined nails into like a running event. So basically it would be like six to eight minutes mm-hmm. per client and that's fast. Yeah, like you, so basically I would do like the prep, nude base and then like some 3D art. Okay. Um, you know, and also you, you've kind of got to keep up the conversation as well. Often, yeah. you know, they've got drinks as well. So people are like a little bit like they're really happy moving about. So you've got to really work around that. Um, so we did like 30 people each in three hours. That was wow, a okay. lot. I took some pre-workout before. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the total yeah. workout, yeah. But you know, that was great. Like, you know, getting paid to go and do that. And I think it's also really interesting to see that when you get one job, it can really spiral from there. Totally. Um, you know, and... Was that with Chevrino's? Or is that yeah, so another... Yes, one of them. So right, okay. I did one in Glasgow that was office and new balance and then um there was one at uh Chivarino's in edinburgh and then uh there was one in manchester oh cool as well. cool so that, was, nice. that was really fun and it was shoots or you said running events yeah so it was about... basically they would get running groups to come along and try their new trainers so like we oh okay and then get their nails done and then they'd go out and do like a like a 2k run and then they just come back and have drinks and foods and like get their nails right. done. Right. Oh, that's really nice. Um, yeah, yeah like it's a good idea. And it was just really nice to see that incorporated. And I think a lot of brands are kind of, I'd say that's a fairly newish yes. kind of thing. I mean, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. This is like um, Wa London, um, who I think were doing these kind of things before, but it wasn't as common. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something that people really love. Like, we were very busy. And interestingly enough, it was actually, like, one of the events, it was probably, like, 80% guys. And mm. they were, like, obsessed with what was going on. And it was really nice to see um, these guys that you just would probably presume wouldn't normally yeah. get their nails done. Yeah, yeah. Just, and they're, like, interested in it. Guys, mm-hmm. And they really enjoyed it. And I think that's an important thing for me is kind of like showing people that it is just a self-care thing like nails mm-hmm. are not gender it's a bit fun exactly um, and you know <laughs> it's, it's nothing more and it's also really nice to see brands taking this job seriously because yeah. you know years ago it's whole beauty school dropout thing and it's just like mm-hmm. no i said that wrong <laughs> you know the whole thing of like it's just you know like a second option it's not a viable career yeah you're not gonna make money when like you know they pay fucking good yeah I think we get we get fed that like I think it's the same like the tattoo industry and like Mm -hmm. like, oh how are you gonna make it it's like do you know how much money is in tattooing like (laughs) you're gonna make a very good career out of it if I'd ended up as like a trainee solicitor yeah it's fucking shit in most places (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so no that's that's really cool is there anyone that would be like a dream collaboration for you I'm obsessed with skinny dip Okay, yeah, I can I, I can totally see that. Yeah, love their stuff. yeah, that so so cool. Um, that's probably the first place that comes to mind. Um, let me think. Oh, actually, I'm also lazy. Off. Yeah, I yeah also I can see that a would lot. Fucking love that. Yeah. They're they'd be great brands. Are they London? They're both London based, right? I don't actually know. I think no, I, I think I think Skinny Dip definitely is. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure they are. So yeah, you could make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, so you've opened the second shop, which when we filmed the first one, you hadn't announced yes. that. <laughs> um, it's been what a year and a half since you opened the yeah. first one. So is that something that you wanted to do quite quickly, or it's just uh, the way it's worked out? To be honest, like 
when I posted it, a lot of people were like, oh my God, you kept that quiet. And I was like, I must have fucking kept it quiet for myself. <laughs> because I just decided and then two weeks later I'd opened it. Oh my God, so, that's right. Okay, it's it a was, very quick process. Yeah, it, you know, it was something that I always intended to do in the future mm-hmm. is to have other salons. I just didn't quite realise it would be now. Yeah. Um, and it's really good though, because with the timing, I, you know, I've cut back on a lot of work and I, I don't feel like it's progressing too quick. That's also That's something great. Yeah. I'm, I'm very aware of. I feel like I like looking at brands and observing, 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 oh, observing, observing. <laughs> and, and observing what in, in particularly small businesses, like what has and hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware that the Govan Hill shop, it's a very kind of like, a, a, you know, like a small, very much a community feel. Yeah. And I'm very aware that if that is lost, Sky High's not going to be as good. Right. Okay. Me. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yes, I want to have more salons, but I don't want it to grow at a rate that is uncontrollable and it loses what I originally wanted. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, remembering like my models and this is for people to feel included and enjoy this experience is something that is like always going to be at the forefront for yeah. me. Um, and I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's good to have that mindset from the get-go. Yeah, and I think it'd be very easy for someone to get a bit cocky yeah. and a bit over their head. Mm-hmm. And I think no one fucking likes seeing that. No, it doesn't. It never like comes across well no. either. Like it doesn't scream to me, oh, you're doing really, really well and you're like opening up because you're doing amazing. It just feels like, oh, you're pushing it. Yeah, I'm just like, like you know slow it's down. Like, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. it's going to be fine. Exactly. You're going to be better off. Yes. Um... But yeah, okay, so we're going to move on to the section, You're Talking Shite, which is a true or false game. We're going to debunk some stereotypes. Hoping you you can't remember because they're the same. (laughs) (laughs) I've changed them. So, um, well, we've already answered the first one. (laughs) This is the thing. I think I need to change my order. Because I, whenever I get to this point, I've already, we've already answered quite a few so of the questions. Do, do it like first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just doing some producing out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so we touched upon this briefly, but didn't really get into it. So nail artists have to be good at drawing. Shite. Right. So how does it work for you then? If you, you're saying you're not good at drawing. So, yeah, I'm really shit at drawing. My mum laughs at my drawings. So I think, you know, that... and basically I was just so obsessed with like nail art and I was just like I want to do that I can't really draw so I just practiced lines and dots over and over and over Mm -hmm. because when you look at nail art when you're looking at a character you'd not want to like process that in your brain as the full character because you know like the eyes circles the face is broken down into like a cross Mm -hmm. that's then you know a circle's formed around it so if you look at things um, broken down in that way it's much simpler and to mm-hmm. be honest it's just technique with your brush my girlfriend that's an illustrator is is insistent that I could draw if I practiced yeah I'm sure yeah you, know, and you I, could and, and, and maybe I could but it's also the medium of gel working with and you can wipe it off if you make a mistake that kind of thing I really like so yeah. I always tell students don't let that get in the way there's also things like stickers decals there's so many niches out there mm-hmm. everyone doesn't need to do the same thing so there's mm-hmm. always an option if you can't draw Mm. 
Do you feel like you're getting better at drawing as you're as you're going on? No. No. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it looks like you're great. Um, like. Nail looks progressive. Uh-huh. One of my friends that's a tattoo artist, I was like, can I, can I do a flash sheet? And honestly, that thing is disgusting. <laughs> Not going up for sale then. No. <laughs> um, okay, so the next is that you have to work very long hours. So this is a... Oh wait, I, I'm supposed to say shite or not. You don't have to. Shite or not. <laughs> so I think this really depends what you want out of it and what you can cope with with your mental health. Now, yes, I used to do like 12 plus hour shifts because mm-hmm. I couldn't say no, but I also needed the money because it was kind of hard starting up. I opened the salon like basically during COVID, not when it was lockdown. But, you know, I went self-employed two weeks before. It was tough money-wise. Yeah. Um, and also, to build up that clientele, I wanted to accommodate people. So it's really up to the individual of how they want to do it. I know people that don't work late and do Monday to Friday, and mm-hmm. they're pretty full. The only thing is, the way that I did it, I feel like I closed to new clients way quicker than other people mm-hmm. because I did accommodate. Um, so I guess it's really down to what the individual can deal with but now no I do seven eight hours working with clients which is like a normal day (laughs) increase my prices Mm -hmm. um you know I've gotten a bit quicker so no long term um this is the least I've worked with clients Mm. okay yeah so over time you know this this is actually a question I've thought of before but when do you advise is like a good point for somebody who's in their like nail mm-hmm. tech career to put up prices? Do you think that's something that you should look at like yearly or so, sooner? Than, or yeah. does it depend on the person? For the cost of living prices, <laughs> I would say, yeah, looking at it yearly. But I had to do, I can't remember if it was two or three price increases in the, in the year that amounted to £9. Because if you don't increase with inflation you will not be doing nails the next year. Or mm. you will be, and you'll be doing it for less than minimum wage. I have to, like, really hone into people that work in the salon. You need to put your prices up. Mm-hmm. You know, when they first began, yes, you start you start cheap because you just want to get hands into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you advance pretty quickly. I say, okay, do this for a week and then put it up, like, a fiver at the start because you do start so low mm-hmm. um so i think it's something that you need to again it depends how long you're working how yeah. many days you know that kind of thing but in general people don't charge enough there's no. a, there's a there's a big kind of stigma in the nail industry mm-hmm. um and i think i'm I think i'm one of the most expensive people in glasgow one oh, okay. of not the most but up there um and People still come back. People still yeah, it, yeah, know? of course. Um, it's like you said, it's a treat. It's like us. It's, it's a treat. A, for some people. It's like some people get a massage. Yes. Some people get their nails done. Some people, exactly. you know, it's like a, it's a nice it's thing a to get done. Yeah. I do think that if you are a self-employed person, you need to, you know, if you're wanting to make this your career, you have to think of it as a business. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like. Would you put up with being paid under minimum wage illegally from someone else? No, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So in order to survive, you just have to do it. I mean, yeah. it's hard, but you just got to do it. It's crazy the difference between, I think we spoke about this last time, but um, like how much you they charge for nails in like America. Oh, God, it's like I, insane. You'd I'd be, be you'd be like £1,000 a day. It's wild, which, isn't it? Also, you know, Why is it actually different here? Yeah, do you have any theories on that? <laughs> one of my theories would be, and this came up when I was studying guitar, 
I did a competition in Germany and um, the arts is taken very seriously over there. It's not seen as something below maths and English. It's very much on par. Okay. And I feel like in different countries and cultures, the arts is something that is really, um, you know, really admired. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, in school, if you kind of want to say you want to go and do music, like people are kind of like, oh, what a cop out. And I think, and it's not, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think the beauty industry is very much in that category. Yeah. Um, I know that in America, they, you have to do a certain amount of hours at a cosmetology, a licensed um, education okay. centre. Right. They're very um, on it in particular with their health and safety hygiene. Everything is very, very regulated and nails are just basically unregulated. Just, it's just unregulated here. Is it, I've heard that about like aesthetics as well. Like it's quite like cowboy yeah. land. Like well, it, I mean, you can technically do nails here legally without being trained because it's, it's your choice to get trained to get insurance. Right. Okay. Whereas in America, you can't. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm right in this, but like you can't legally do nails without being a licensed, mm. um, like esthetician type thing. Yeah. Um. Whereas like, it's just a big free for all here. That's wild, eh? It's really bizarre. Is that something that you think's likely to change or is, is it beneficial to have it that way? It's not beneficial, I'd say, because it can affect clients, actually, because there's a lot of allergy issues in the mm. industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is through kind of like poor education, mostly. Um, there is a group that are trying to change it, but... I'm just not sure if it's going to get anywhere. Mm, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. I knew that it was like that in aesthetics, but I didn't mm. know it was the same for nails. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. And um, another shite or not shite, um, which once again, we've also kind of covered, <laughs> but that it's bad for your back and your posture. So we know that it is. Yes. So instead of that, do you have anything that you use to help with that? I know you said yes. about the tables, but is there anything else? So I'd recommend a stool. Uh, uh-huh. You want to be on wheels so that you're not twisting and turning mm-hmm. um, and hurting your neck. I recommend stretching in between clients. Something mm-hmm. I found that's really helped me is strengthening my back at the gym. It's drastically improved how I feel at work. Mm. I really recommend like a good light so you don't kind of strain and damage your eyes. Mm. And also to have a hand rest. Um, I was going to say rest. So, exactly. Is that a so you're not hunched over because you, you are at higher risk of carpal tunnel. Um, okay. But also I go for regular sports massages because if I don't have that, I physically can't do it like my back will seize up mm-hmm. and then I'm just in agony did that happen quite quickly into doing nails I think or... because I wasn't taught correctly right I wasn't taught these things about you know looking after my body mm. so I was in the wrong chair wrong desk hunching my neck down so yeah it did happen quite quickly and also when I'm teaching I remind students like you need to relax because like relax your body because mm. if you're so tense and you're squeezing it like you can really hurt yourself yeah yeah um so ca- that kind of leads on to our story time which is the final segment and we're going to talk about powerlifting which is your passion yes I <laughs> I love it. and uh, so tell us a little bit about why you like it and what you're up to in regards to it. Yeah, so I've, <laughs> I have accidentally fallen into being a competitive powerlifter. <laughs> I love that and... so much. <laughs> I'm just, I had a lot of anger last year uh-huh. in situations that I just couldn't control. So um, I went to the gym 
and I started to really enjoy it and I'd been to the gym before. I was going to ask, were you like a gym goer? Yeah, not, I was when I was younger but it was very much from quite a disordered, um, you know, struggling with my body image type of view. Whereas with this I was just really loving doing weights. So I got a powerlifting coach because it's very easy to hurt yourself doing this because, you know, it's very heavy weights. So now that I'm going to be doing my first competition in November, it is like a, a really strict regime. Like I really mm-hmm. can't miss it unless I'm really not not feeling good. Yeah. But because it helps my ADHD so much, you know, you're releasing that endorphins, getting your dopamine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite addictive for me. I'm, but I'm also aware of it not going addictive in the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and pushing myself when, like, I really physically can't. So yeah, I find it a great release. Like I, I love going late at night. I love cutting about the gym section and my little guys and my little shorts. <laughs> lifting more than them. I love it. It's such a vibe. Um, well, we were, ta- <laughs> we were talking about this at the Click event with Christy yeah. about coming to see you in yeah, your competition. I, know, I, know. I would love to. I think that would be fucking amazing. Christy said you both after we're like, no, no, I'm being serious. Like, can we go? Can yeah, no, yeah, no, like, 100%. Yes. We, were, we were talking about we're going to make signs. We were I, love like, it. I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I think it'll be so cool. So what competition is it in November? So it is the Scottish Open Championships, I think it's called. Okay. It's in Loch And your first um, one? Yeah, my first one. You basically get um, three tries at each lift. So you've got um, squat, bench, deadlift. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very long day um, and you're basically just trying to lift as much as you can. Um, but this competition is uh, run by IPF, which is like... Um, well, sorry, it's run by Scottish Powerlifting, which is part of IPF, and they've got very strict rules of what is a good lift. So there's three referees that will vote on if it passes or not. Okay. So it's actually very easy to balls it up. For example, with squat, if you don't go low enough down. Is it, like, so measured? And, like, how do they know the, that? Like, when you're bending over, it's, like, the line between, like, your stomach and your thigh okay. that needs to go below your knee. So obviously they can't see this, but I'll show. Yeah, show you. me. I'll show you how low it is. It's actually very, very low. I have to go down to here. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah, that so is low. Yeah. It's, um, it's very easy to fail a lift. God, have you ever hurt yourself? No. Um. Basically, you're kind of you kind of taught how to fail a lift correctly. So for squat, right. if you get stuck at the bottom, you've got um, racks at the side and you push it, push it back. Okay, I would just cry. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, there was once where I actually thought I was going to die uh-huh. and this was my own fault. So I was benching and I, and that's basically where you lie down, you're going to you pick it up, yeah. you pull it down to your chest. Yeah. Um, I hadn't eaten enough and I was shaky mm. and I didn't have someone to spot me and I was benching 70 kilos, which is a lot. Yeah. And um, when I went to push up, my arms gave away and it rolled over my neck. And oh my God. if I had dropped it, I think it would have just crushed. It would either, I think it could have either broken my neck or like crushed my esophagus. Oh. And that shit me up. That's no so I'm wonder. very careful now, you know, because it's it is it's large weights that I am not doing it unless I feel like in a good yeah. position. Yeah. Or um, you've got is it a spotter? 
or a spotter. Oh yes, um, exactly. <laughs> correct. I've got this terminology. Um, really. And what I do now is like you put you put clips on. I know that's very good. Um, <laughs> you put clips on and to stop it falling off. But what I do is I don't have the clips on now. So if it was on my neck, you tip it side to side, and, and then they just fall off. off. Okay, yeah. okay, that makes so sense. So that shit me up, and I'll never do that again. Oh my god, yeah, that, that would be silly. terrifying. Yeah, and I didn't realize until after I managed to roll it down my body and pick it up, and I was like bruised down my stomach. It was oh very, my god. Wow. No. <laughs> so so in preparing for this competition, does it include like diet? Yeah. Obviously exercise, like mm-hmm. does it is it all play a part in it? Like Yes. So so you know, how you eat, how you fuel fuel yourself has a really, you know, big impact you just on mentioned what you can obviously do eating and like um, yeah, exactly. not eating. Obviously. So um, you know, I eat very high protein. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's my first competition, there's different weight categories. And you're like my coach advised me, you know, just compete at the weight you're at because it yeah. can be really hard to pick a weight category and work it if you know you're you know you're mentally able to to get into that category or not. Right. If it's healthy for you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So right now I'm just focusing on a lot of protein, and that's kind of all I look at. And to be honest, protein is amazing for ADHD. Um. If you actually have protein before eating anything else like carbs or sugar in the morning it creates dopamine to help you throughout the day so oh, wow. you don't dip um, so that's actually something that was good for anyone yeah so I have multiple conditions that weightlifting and high protein helps that's amazing yeah. so you've really like managed to really, encapsulate really, something exactly. into, like, it's, the, it's the healthiest to help you. felt and yeah. it's the least restrictive it's ever been really. that's amazing so yeah, just in the lead up to the competition, you know, you start to get up to like your really heavy weights. And it's it's actually very, I didn't realise this before I started, but it's very scientific, your plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're to like almost max out, which would be to the heaviest you can, you can only do that at certain points. And it's all scheduled out when you can do it. Mm-hmm. And my, like my coach that, that programmes it, um, there's multiple exercises and it's all like these percentages and like all this shit that I don't know the fucking clue it is I just yeah. do what he tells me to yeah yeah um, but it, you, you can see how it'd be incredibly easy for someone to injure themselves so they didn't know what they're doing mm-hmm. trying to you know people think it's you're trying to lift the most all the time we, you do a lot with light weight mm-hmm. you're building up the strength so it's really just a case of being consistent yeah how, how yeah. often are you training? Uh, like four times a week Oh, that's quite a lot. And yeah, like, includes with your businesses as well. Yeah, is that quite um, hard to it, it's, juggle it? It's hard to juggle, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, whether, it's worth it. You know, and, and it's not just to like try and win a competition. I genuinely love it. And um, it, it was very hard when I was opening the salon. I would work all day. I'd go to the salon and I'd have to go to the gym at 2 a.m. to fit it in mm-hmm. on four hours of sleep. And that's not healthy or good. But no. in that two weeks, like I just had to get it done. Yeah. So it, it is it is hard, but it's also taught me a lot of discipline. I'm much more focused on my health in like a genuinely healthy way and mm-hmm. not in, you know, my appearance, but how I feel. Yeah, so it's the most important a lot of positives. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. It's I'm like fascinated by it just because yeah. it's cool. Like <laughs> I, I, I know men that do it, but yeah. I've never met like a woman that does yeah. it. And I think that's like, it's really amazing. Um, you know, there's a lot of women doing it now, which is amazing. Yeah. I find that the powerlifting community, you know, especially in Scotland, from what I've seen on Instagram, um, they're very inclusive. Yeah. There's, there's none like, I've, like, I've posted TikToks and it's just, I've just got these random men calling me fat. And I'm like, well, one, that's not a fucking insult to me, mate. Like, <laughs> 
And also, it's so your bench fucking... looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking ignorant, though. It like, it's the most ignorant bullshit I've ever but, heard. But, like, the actual, you know, the guys that are actually in competitive powerlifting are, are, are very supportive. Yeah, and that's great. And very inclusive, which is really nice to see. And I think mm-hmm. the people running it have put a lot of work into that, which is really nice. Would you like to go to one of the strongest men competitions see, or anything like that? I don't... I'm not too sure on that because I think generally people pick one or one or the other okay. because the training is so specific, you know. And there's also different; they're called federations, and I right. don't know if this actually applies to strong strongman or not. But um, there's like different categories, and actually, if you go to one of them, you can actually be disqualified from the rest. Oh, and it's like the one that I'm doing. You know, you have to be drug tested and everything. It's very mm-hmm. strict, and mm-hmm. some of them, you know, they don't have drug testing, and that would invalidate you from, like you're like the the one I'm going to do yeah yeah okay so after this competition what would be like your next goal or like the biggest achievement that you with your powerlifting so you like to do? I'm like super excited about the powerlifting journey because I don't really know where the where the fuck it's going to end up yeah but like I am really serious about it you know most powerlifters that compete and to a high level it's not their it's not their job there's not really money in that particular yeah you know, I can it's kind of like passion how, you know it's like yeah. I've got the business but I do that as well mm-hmm. so I would really love to qualify for a British championships at uh-huh. some point um you know whatever that may be but I would really like to try and you know get up a level each time yeah 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 and last question mm-hmm. what's the most you can lift so currently <laughs> um... where are you at now and I'll ask you next year where you're <laughs> yes, at <laughs> we can check it so currently my bench is 70 my squat is 100 and... 107.5 I think mm-hmm. and my deadlift is 130 but the thing is before you get to your competition it's where you that's when you start to amp it up yeah. so what I'm hoping for is like at least 80 bench uh, 150, 160 deadlift, and at least 125 squat, maybe 130. Okay, so that's the. So it's like a bit of a sprint at the end. Right. I mean. Okay. Well, well done. <laughs> You're smashing you. it. You're smashing <laughs> it in all aspects. Thank you. Um, so and sweet. and it's been really nice to talk to you again for the second time. And we thought it was going to be like a, a third time. <laughs> we thought it was going to have to be a third time, lucky. But look, we we we've got through it, and I'm so glad because it's been really lovely chatting to you. No, it's been great. Thank you for having me. It's um, <laughs> I'm really enjoying like the series of Scottish Craves because I do think Scotland is just kind of forgotten about sometimes. Yeah, and there's, and so, there's so much going on. on. I know. I mean, the list of pe- guests that I want to have on is like as long as yeah, as long as they are. Love it. It's Love which it. is it's really exciting. So thank you so much, and I'm gonna link all your. Thank you so much. I'm gonna link everything below. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um and this will yeah this will be out soon. So thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Don't Panic podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Also be sure to check out the description for quick links to connect with our amazing guests, show them some love, give them a follow and explore their work. Once again, thank you so much. Your support means the world. And until next week, don't panic. We'll see you again.